When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Are we ready? I guess not. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. One, two, three. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. With Rami. Carthy, uh, six touches for Aaron Jones in the second half. We have a poor man's Kamara on our team. This guy should be getting 20 to 25 touches a game. Always said this, and we you know we have David Bactari on our show. My guy! And he is saying that, yeah, you know, we know we have to block longer than most other QBs that are out there he because Rodgers is always improvising and doing his own thing. Well, that's why it doesn't look good because Rodgers is just running around like a chicken with a head cut off, and he. Go, Pat, go! That's my guy. Well, there's, that's there's my a, radio dad, Gary Ellerson. There's a, <laughs> your dad's. Your dad's <laughs> uh, radio dad. Yeah, your dad's taking some criticism on the old uh, <laughs> score north. Quite a bit. Well, where, there's another one. I, I gotta find. I gotta find this one. I worked with him four hours a day for ten years. I gave him plenty of crap myself. To criticize the quarterback in Green Bay, but for what you're paying and the glory he's gotten versus the productivity you're getting now, it's 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 not 2014 anymore. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, you paid him a lot of money to be the leader of this team and to be a guy that was going to to take this team to the next level. And granted, he shouldn't have to do it all by himself. But damn it, you got to come out better than that. <laughs> I, I, there's a there's a reason there's a reason why we're starting the show with Packer Ventland. There's there's why well, there's like a hundred of these. Today's really made me not healthy. I'd play the best backup that you have a chance with. And then going well, really, the only backup, I mean, they got Boyle, but Deshaun Kaiser is their official backup. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> That's my oh, favorite. Oh. Yeah. There's this sense then, like, of, the like, side. despair. Just, yeah. Yeah, yes. That's a good point. Today has really been a trip down memory lane for me in a lot of ways. Those are your old coworkers. Yeah, they are. Like I said, Gary Ellerson, I call him my radio dad. He always had a... A wise word for me in all the years that I worked for him, or a slap upside the head whenever I needed it. Those guys have helped this program. Well, how many losses have the Packers had the last three or four years? We started doing Packer Vent Line probably four years ago on the Mackie and Judd show. And uh, those, so those guys have helped this program like 20 to 30 
Monday or Tuesday radio shows. Jonathan's right, though. That last call is the best one. Just the resignation in that yeah, man's yeah. voice. Yeah. yeah. So I uh, I read this. The, the, the Bleacher Report story is like 10,000 words long because apparently we don't need to edit. But it was all just flowing drama. But you know what? Recapping McCarthy and Rogers falling out. Usually I read an article that long and I get done with it. And I'm like, you could have made that so much shorter. You wasted a lot of my time right there. But then in this one... Like, every paragraph was juicier than the yeah. last. I was like, oh, good thing they kept this in. So here's here's a here's a couple just juicy nuggets from this Bleacher Report story detailing the falling out of Vikings rivals Aaron Rodgers and Mike McCarthy. And this is actually a recap via Deadspin that kind of sums up two of the, the juicier pieces, and then you guys feel free to throw it anymore here. Because if you're a Vikings fan, I think you could go one way or the other. You could relish in this and say, wow, it's hilarious that Aaron Rodgers is that petty and Mike McCarthy is that stubborn, and the two of them couldn't make it work, and only, quote-unquote, only, because the Vikings have none, but only won one Super Bowl Mm -hmm. in the Aaron Rodgers era. Yeah. But then the other side of it is, oh, man, it's too bad you couldn't keep those guys together in this dysfunctional, although it's possible that Aaron Rodgers creates a dysfunctional relationship with the next coach, too. Right. Uh, But according to Tyler Dunn, is the Ty or Tyler? Ty Dunn is the author of the story. Okay. McCarthy's play calling was so bad that last season Rodgers changed a third of the plays in the huddle. The problem was that McCarthy kept calling the same plays he'd called during the 15 and 1 2011 season despite the personnel being totally different now. As Dunn puts it, McCarthy believed it was his system that brought the team so much success and that it would work whether Rodgers was throwing to studs like Jordy Nelson and Greg Jennings or an assortment of unproven rookies. McCarthy was apparently so confident in his own system, he routinely missed team meetings in order to get a massage. About once a week, a meeting would start up, and McCarthy was missing in action. Players weren't quite sure where he was. Uh, For example, an assistant coach would run the team's final prep on the Saturday before a game. Eventually, word leaked that McCarthy, the one calling plays on game day, was up in his office getting a massage during those meetings. That's amazing. One player had the same massage therapist, and she let it slip that McCarthy would sneak her uh, up a back stairway to his office while the rest of the team prepared for that for that week's opponent. By the way, violation of masseuse client privilege right there. <laughs> Has to be. Has to be. I thought about that. Has to be. <laughs> yeah. Quote, and then I had lots more questions. That was when guys were like, what the heck, says one time, one longtime Packer. Everybody was like, really, wow. Rodgers, in particular, was not thrilled that Mike McCarthy was getting massages upstairs. Yeah, that when I read that, I was like, what? Really? Like, that is, that's borderline unbelievable. Like, I, I Ty Dunn used to be on with us once a week when he worked for the Journal Sentinel, and I, and I was down in Milwaukee. So I, I know Ty somewhat, and I know that... He wouldn't be putting this out there unless it was true and it was fact checked and it was it was verified in every way possible. He he's as good as it gets when it comes to NFL reporters and and writing stories like this. But if it wasn't Ty Dunn, if it was somebody who I didn't know, I'd be like, that can't that can't be true. Like there's something about this isn't right. And did you see the part two? There, there's a section in there about the the moment where I guess Rodgers was done and it was the Patriots game when, when he purposely wouldn't run the plays that, that, that he was supposed to run and basically said, bleep it, yeah. I'm going to sabotage McCarthy every, every chance I get. Oh, that's amazing. Okay, so off of that, there's a, a similar anecdote in uh, this recap that I'm looking at here. Uh, so as for Rodgers... 
Dunn's story paints him as a supremely petty teammate who browbeat young players and went out of his way to hold grudges. Former Packers running back Ryan Grant told Dunn that Rodgers disliked McCarthy from the very beginning of their time together because McCarthy had been on the 49ers coaching staff when they drafted Alex Smith ahead of Rodgers. Another source told Dunn that Rodgers put his young teammates in impossible situations by forcing them to disobey McCarthy's play calls during games. From the story, life sure wasn't fun for those rookie wide receivers. On-the-fly route changes put them in no-win situations. They didn't know whether to listen to their coaches or Rodgers. A source close to the team says Equinemius St. Brown became frustrated because as much as he wanted to follow McCarthy's play design, he also heard rumors of Rodgers freezing out teammates if they didn't do exactly what he demanded. So he, I'm just laughing as I read this. So, so, so he listened to Rodgers. On one play in New England, Rodgers told St. Brown to run a post route when the play called for a flag route. St. Brown ran the post that Rodgers wanted, and pressure forced Rodgers to throw the ball away toward the flag, leading his position coach to grill him on what he was doing. St. Brown told him he was improvising so he didn't upset Rodgers. Knowing what was up, McCarthy told the receivers to stick with the routes called, and this just continued on game after game after game, apparently. You know what this is like? There, I don't know about you guys, but throughout my life, whether it was in school or in work... They're like, there are these dudes who they got it all. Like, life is perfect. They're good looking. They got money. They got the nice car, nice house, nice wife, kids. Whatever. They got it all. And it seems like they got life figured out and they're a little bit cocky about it. They like throwing it in your face. They like telling you, I'm going out on the pontoon this weekend with the family for Fourth, for fourth of July. You know? Yeah. That guy. And then you find out behind the scenes and then. That it wasn't really all that this guy was making it out to be. That it wasn't as perfect as as it looked. It's the it I looked, got a guy. It looked like it's on the, the surface. I, I got a guy. And it makes you feel kind of yeah. good. It makes you feel kind of good about yourself and your own dysfunction, doesn't it? Well, it, I mean, yeah. It, it leads you down, down the path that is so important in life of realizing that sometimes people, and a lot of people who seem like they've got it all together, actually don't. And that's why that's why you doubt things. But... This also is the reason why, in this day and age of pro sports, relationships only work for so long. The McCarthy Rogers, and, and if if Aaron didn't like Mike the day that Mike got that job, okay, or at some point in time, all right, guess what? They did pretty damn well as a duo for a long time. But this goes back to what what we've talked about, Phil, a ton, which is, which is the shelf life. Like, when does the shelf life end? Because relationships and egos like this can only coexist for so long. Belichick and Brady, what makes them so so remarkable is I don't even think they like each other at this point that much, but it just continues to work. But this is the norm, where eventually it's like a marriage, and guess what? It just blows up. I'm going to keep reading some of this. You guys react Please, to this. Please do. This is... Uh, the article is What Happened in Green Bay by Ty Dunn from Bleacher Report. He used to cover the Packers for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Quote, let's see, these are just like anonymous uh, quotes here. A former teammate says, his number one job, and Mike always missed this boat, Mike McCarthy, is to manage Aaron Rodgers. That's your driver. That's your engine. Aaron's your driver for the whole team. Whether you want to or don't want to, you have to make sure that guy's happy. And at the end of the day... It doesn't sound like a fun job. If he's happy, you're winning, said an anonymous player. Your job isn't to go out there and throw and catch passes. Your job is to manage people in Aaron Rodgers. 
And uh, so if Rodgers isn't Brady as a leader, the article says, McCarthy sure as hell never managed like Bill Belichick. Whereas Belichick despises the limelight and removes himself every way he can, this player says McCarthy loved anointing himself as a quarterback guru. This now, get was this. amazing. This was amazing. <laughs> the coach often bragged to players about his time with Joe Montana in Kansas City. <laughs> and the ellipses by die right there for the pause, the effect of the pause before he said in Kansas City. Just top notch writing, Ty. Thank you. <laughs> Appreciate that. Quote from an anonymous player. He tried to bill himself as this quarterback master. Buddy, I just want to let you know, Joe Montana did a lot more before he was in Kansas City. (laughs) That is, that's so great. Uh, McCarthy felt he was the one who created this monster of an offense. A personnel man adds, quote, that was Mike McCarthy's big mistake. He wanted to be the guy. He wanted to be the reason. And he wasn't that good. Wow, but, but where he had it going for him for a long time, and, and probably believed his own uh, press clippings, was the fact that he transitioned from Favre to Aaron in two thousand eight, and in two thousand eight, Aaron was an ascending nice player. Mm-hmm. But that first game against uh, he, so the opener in two thousand eight, the first game post Favre, Rodgers was a quarterback who would pull the ball down and run, and, and he was athletically good enough to do that. But like his decision making at that time was fairly slow, yeah. and so Aaron developed in, into this Hall of Fame quarterback under McCarthy. Now it's to Aaron's credit that he became that quarterback, but I think Mike saw that and Mike thought, "Look how good I am! Yeah, I've taken this kid who couldn't do a thing." So, so again, though, it's up to the organization to be smart enough to realize when when the relationship between star quarterback and coach has reached its zenith, yeah. and it's just going to descend. And it's up to the team to be smart enough to say, I think we have to seriously look at a change here because of the fact that it's starting to dissolve. You know, so I, I, I heard a quote one time, uh, I'd forget the origins of it, but it makes 100% sense in this case. It's never the work that sinks a team or that, that leads a team to, to, the, to its demise. It's the drama of the people. It's like it's never, oh man, we're just, we're all washed up and the mm-hmm. work's too hard. It's egos. And it's people wanting credit, and it's people not being able to get along and infighting, right? McCarthy is still, he could still coach for another 10 years, right? Aaron Rodgers can play in the NFL for another 5 or 10 years, but they hated each other so much, and, and egos were involved so much that this thing blows up with them only having, like, if you could play out Rodgers' career again, he should have at least two or three Super Bowls right now. See, and I, I, I never go down that road. It's way too hard to win Super Bowls, and there are way too many things that are out of your hands that need to go your way to win a Super Bowl. One issue I I do take with Tyler Dunn in this article is he did the same thing that you just did, which is they make it seem like almost a foregone conclusion that if not for the problems that he points out in this article, that Aaron Rodgers would have six rings right now. And I, I, I I can't go down that road. He'd have a better chance at winning those Super Bowls, but I don't think you can ever definitely say so-and-so would have had more rings. But is it, so is it fair to, to say, rings. so forget about the Super Bowl rings argument right. for a second, because it's possible they run into Tom Brady and Bill Belichick five right, times exactly. and they get beat all five times. Yeah. But is it more likely, and I know what I think about this answer, that if if there is a coach in the universe that was would be a better fit for Rodgers, and maybe there's not many, maybe mm-hmm. Rodgers in his mind thinks that he's just the smartest guy in every room and he it doesn't matter. He should be the head coach. Yep. Right. But if there is someone that could have come in and meshed with him and push the right buttons, 
that there would have been less drama and therefore there would have been a better chance yes. for them to win big. Yes. Right? If it was a, a less dysfunctional situation, it certainly improves the odds of them winning more Super Bowls. But this goes back to what we discussed before on Purple Daily, which is ultimately the smartest thing that the Packers could have done was understood when Ted Thompson was declining and gotten rid of McCarthy and Thompson. Because if you want to, talk, if you want to talk about what would have put the Packers in a prime position, the best position possible after the first Super Bowl, let's say to go to two more or three more, it was what? It was it was turnover Ted's philosophy because his drafting philosophy, which had worked, stopped. Mm-hmm. He lost his fastball for sure, and the Packers' inability to put a premium on defense at all became a major problem. So I think if we're going to talk about going back and saying what would have made the Packers as successful as possible, it really starts with the decision that they should have made to get rid of Ted and then allow Ted's successor to pick the coach and take the team in that direction. Okay, there's... Some, some dudes went on the record. Like Jermichael Finley went on the record in this story. It's not the first time Jermichael Finley no, has gone yeah, on the record. I was going to say Greg it's the Jen- least surprising thing of the story. And Greg Jennings while- has gone on the record before. Jermichael Finley went on the record critical, I think it was, of Aaron Rodgers while he was a player, and Rob Reichel printed it, and then Jermichael Finley almost killed Rob Reichel and said, you're trying to cost me money. He's <laughs> like, I, just, I wrote literally what you said to me. Uh, so here's another excerpt. Maybe Rodgers' ability to sling a football on a rope from every angle... Uh, on Sundays, masked McCarthy's flaws. But a faction of people who have spent time around Rodgers and the Packers believe you must look beyond the stats and highlights and understand Rodgers is also responsible for the Packers' plummet to mediocrity. And then they list the reasons why. Self-entitled. He'll throw you in the doghouse. Uh, the moment Rodgers inked his new contract, the one that could earn him up to $180 million, Jermichael Finley knew a storm was brewing because Finley, Rodgers' number one tight end for four and a half years, remembers the entitlement his quarterback had even as a first-year starter, quote, when he was broke as bleep. You give a man $200 million, he's the GM, he's the organization, he's the quarterback, he's the head coach, he has a sense of entitlement already, and then you give him $200 million, you make him one of the highest-paid quarterbacks in history, it comes with the territory, man. I think Rodgers, man-to-man, needs to take a little bit more blame. Woof. There was a lot of that, of Aaron Rodgers never thinking it was Aaron Rodgers' fault. And Mike McCarthy was the same way. They they both thought if things went wrong, in Rodgers' case, it was either a bad play call by Mike McCarthy or a receiver ran the wrong route or had a bad read or dropped the pass or whatever the case might be. And with Mike McCarthy, when his when he he failed to adapt and evolve and his his plays and his his overall offensive system and philosophy wasn't working anymore, he never said, well, maybe I need to adapt and evolve. Instead, he said, well, I don't have the players. Aaron's changing the plays out on the field. It was never, they both had that quality of them. Of it was, it, it was never my fault. It was always somebody else. Never my fault. The last time quarterback was held accountable in Green Bay, Rami, my guess, is mid-90s Favre Holmgren, right? Probably. Because Favre, Favre was, by the time I covered him in 2003 and four there, Nothing was his fault again, and and Mike Sherman did nothing to stop that. So you basically have not had a quarterback in that city take responsibility for his mistakes in circa 1995. But some of that you want, yes. When when a quarterback yeah. gets a contract like that, I agree. He and he he when he signed this last contract, this last off season, he called it now a partnership between himself and the Green Bay Packers because. 
he will own as much of the success and failure of this franchise in the public eyes as the organization itself will. So he should want some ownership of that blame or of that credit. He should want some ownership of the offense and and the system and the plays that are called, but there's a fine line where you step over and now you're doing more harm than you are good when, when you have that attitude and, and feel those entitlements. That's also tough to coach as well. Yep. Absolutely. Go, Pat, go! I'll hurt him again. Yeah. <laughs> and then also Aaron Rodgers and his obstinance and stubbornness not to throw the damn checkdowns time and again throughout this game cost them the game and cost them the season. A $170 million paperweight, no, stop, it's not Bill. worth it. Stop, Bill. Come on, man. No, no, no. Come on, bring nope. you back. Nope. Come on, Bill. Bring it back. Bill, no, come back. Bill, come back. No, Bill. No, come on, Bill. No, come on now. The paperweight comment was Gary Ellerson's in that room in the first 10 seconds. He's like, yeah, Bill, yeah. And then it's like, no, no, Bill. Bill. Don't do that. No, no, come back. No, come back. Go too far, Bill. Bring it back. Oh, my God. Man, you know who might need some insurance? The Green Bay Packers, after this article (laughs) came out today. I recommend Federated Mutual Insurance Company reminding everyone to drive safe. Uh, So here are some facts on speeding from the National Highway Transportation Safety Administration that might actually surprise you. I I can be a bit of a lead foot myself once in a while, so got to be careful out there in the roadways. Speeding was a contributing factor in accidents that killed more than 10,000 people on U.S. highways as recently as 2016. That's 27% of traffic fatalities from that year, a 4% increase from the previous year. So even the best drivers aren't above the laws of physics. The faster you go, the greater the potential for loss of control over your vehicle, even on the perfect road in ideal conditions. So make sure you're actively monitoring your speed. Uh, don't, uh, don't be egocentric like we've just been talking about here. And make sure you're driving for the environmental and traffic circumstances that are in play that day. When you keep your vehicle at the appropriate speed, you're doing your part to help everybody make it home safe today. Federated Insurance, it's our business to protect yours. We're going to catch up with our friend Jamie Watson. we got Richard Patino flirting with other jobs, reportedly. And if you have thoughts on how funny it is that the Packers are uh, leaking drama all over the place, 651-646-646. 8255 Mackie and Jeb with Rami. Hey, it's easy to listen to Score North on 1500 on your Amazon Alexa device. Just say, Alexa, open Score North, Judd. Awesome. Alexa, fire a coach. No, 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 no. It's Alexa, trade everybody. Judd, no, it's Alexa, open Score North. Alexa, more hockey. I want more hockey. Just say, Alexa, open Score North, and you can listen to Score North on 1500. Alexa, open Score North. Score North. Minnesota sports. Anytime, anywhere. This is fantastic. Okay. It's Mackie and Jeb with Rami on Score North. And tomorrow, we are going to be... I keep bending the end of my sentences like Doogie. Everybody. Uh, we're going to be hanging out at Dayblock Brewing, downtown Minneapolis, just on the corner of Washington and 11th Avenue South, which is like right down the street from... U.S. Bank Stadium, and it's open to fans. I think the stadium is open to fans pretty much all day tomorrow for workouts and stuff and practices. So if you're walking around the stadium, you want to come hang out, get some great craft beer, delicious pizza as you head to any of the final four festivities, day block from noon until 6 tomorrow, Purple Daily, a special Score North Twin show, uh, Score North Live with Matthew Collar and Mackie and Judd with Rami. So Jamie Watson, our friend from Minnesota United FC, and by the way, uh, this weekend... 
Minnesota United taking on uh, the New York Red Bulls, another road game here. They're playing just a million road games to start the season. You can find that 5.30 pregame, 6 o'clock kick on Score North on 1500. So we were just talking about all the drama that came out, telling the story of Mike McCarthy and Aaron Rodgers and the fallout. Be honest, what's the biggest drama or fallout situation you can ever remember in your soccer career? Like, did you ever get into it with a with a coach? Did you ever like have any big time come to Jesus meeting situations? Spill it, Jamie Watson. <laughs> well, first of all, thanks for being on there. I love all the pack drama, just like every other Viking fan in town right now. Give me more injected to my veins. I can't get enough <laughs> of it. Uh, it's awesome. Um, I I would say the biggest drama I had ever seen. It actually involved um, Adrian Heath's team the first year he was here in 2009. Um, we were playing a game at the end of the season. Uh, it was and we were in Victoria, British Columbia, playing a, a PDL partnership. PDL is like a uh, summer league team, and uh, it was the end of the season. It had been a very long season for the Austin Aztecs, the team who was coaching at the time. I joined on about six weeks before the end of the season. Um, I had, I was going to go with the team through next year. I just signed on late at the end of the year. So I kind of missed all the drama, but apparently they had signed this forward from England who was making more money than about everybody else combined Uh-oh. on the team. He was apparently just a really bad teammate. Anyways, we're playing the summer league team. The season's ended. Uh, everybody's going to go their different ways. Afterwards, some guys are going to be retained, some won't be. And we got our butts kicked uh, in the game. And he stopped trying, the big money guy stopped trying. And we had this one guy who was about a foot shorter than the big guy, Gifton. And he was trying his hardest. He was still giving an effort and a losing effort on the day. And at the end of the day, uh, in the locker room, Gifton standing there throwing cleats across the locker room. It like whizzed by my face. I had been on the team for like two weeks. And I was like, whoa, what's going on here? He uh, he's screaming at the top of his lungs. You guys are all the worst teammates, and this is a true story, boys. I'm not. I cannot make this up. I still remember it like it happened yesterday. The little guy, Callie, he stands up and he goes, "Gibson, you need to shut up. You're calling all of us the worst teammates we've ever had. We all talk about it. How you're the worst teammate we've ever had. We hate playing with you." And this is after the game, so he's got a full on. He's only got his towel on because they're about to hit the showers. And there's a basket of dirty clothes in front of him. And he just gets so emotional and so fired up, boys. He picks the basket up above his head in this full-on rage. And he's just like, I just can't take it anymore. And he goes to scream at the top of his lungs with the basket of dirty clothes above his head. And what happens? The towel hits the floor. (laughs) Of course it does. (laughs) (laughs) They're going, what is happening right now? uh, Needless to say, it ended with... Uh, the, the dirty clothes being thrown and the big guy Gifton chased down uh, the little guy Callie and had his hands around his neck in the corner of the locker room and guys were having to rip all apart. It was, uh, it was fantastic. I think the statute of limitation for that story has passed, so I can tell that one now on the Wait, air. they got into a physical altercation after the towel fell off? Oh, yeah. Literally <laughs> grabbed him and... Hands around the throat, everything. I mean, it just—it was as bad as I'd ever seen. It was the throat. And that was, it took every, <laughs> took everything in me not to crack up right in the middle of it all. So, so hold on a second here. 
So he's grab. So guys are grabbing a naked guy to pull him off. Like I wouldn't. I would never grab a naked person. I'd be like, dude, you're. This is your fight. Your own. Too bad. Yeah. You grab hey, his hips. Judge, like, what you're you're no, I don't grab it. Yeah, right. I don't grab anything. Judd, you were cutting out there. I didn't hear what you said. Oh, very funny, Jamie Watson. Yeah. I'm surprised you. Oh, oh, he did it! Oh, he did it! I never thought he'd do it again. He hung up again. He did it again. Three. This is the hat trick. Oh, no. I found out, though, I found out when, when we were at Allianz Field a couple weeks ago that the second time was planned between Jamie and Phil, and I wasn't aware. So he hung up in that case, but he hung up again now. Wow. That's three times. He's not a fan of yours. Evidently not. I probably ripped him. <laughs> Touche, Jamie Watson. Touche. Guys, I swear it's, it's the sprint service. I'm uh-huh. so sorry, Judge. It has nothing to do with you asking. You'll never get an endorsement from Sprint now, Watson. I can tell you that. <laughs> no free ads, right, guys? <laughs> exactly right. So after that incident, I'm, though. I'm done with him. At, well, did you say that was the last game of the season? The last game of the 2009. Okay, so yeah, it was, uh, was that group of guys and the the catalysts of that incident ever in the same locker room again, or did the did the team decide at that point? Yeah, we got naked I guys sure fighting in the locker room. We need to guys. shake things up. Yeah, I, heard, I sure hope not for the little guy in that fight. It was uh, he was probably scared to go anywhere near him again, ever live in the same city as uh, as Gibson. But uh, no, it was uh, the team. The team kind of got blown up in the off season. Um, Adrian will be the first to tell you that was his first year coaching in America. He kind of taken some advice from some coaching friends that he had met about some certain players that let's say he never went back to the well again to, to ask for advice on other players. And, and then sure enough, he orchestrated an incredible turnaround. Um, and Adrian, he actually coached Minnesota United, despite how bad that season went, culminating in the towel drop gate. Uh, he's, he went on to orchestrate the best first 100-game record of any coach in American soccer in history. So, I mean, it was a, quite a remarkable turnaround from, from that to uh, to what he ended up being and uh, what he is today now as a coach of Minnesota United. Yeah. So, uh, Jamie Watson's with us from Minnesota United. You can find Jamie Watson as a host of the Adrian Heath Show with Adrian Heath, Monday nights at 7 o'clock on Score North on 1500. And you can also find that and the Crafty Rogues on our Score North Soccer podcast feed anywhere you subscribe to podcasts i'm conflicted here if you would have told me before the season started bunch of road games out of the gate hold on for dear life until you start playing home games and after the first four two and two will be the record i would have said oh take it absolutely but after watching the first two games if you would have said two and two after four games i would have been wildly disappointed so uh where are you at with this squad after one month Right, it's it's a confidence is a funny thing, and it's such a roller coaster in professional sports, isn't it? Because at the beginning of the season, if you set six points, maybe even seven points for me, and you wash about a third of your road games, because we play seventeen road games on the season, we're starting with five on the road. So Minnesota United, essentially, before they even step foot at Allianz Field, has done with a third of their road games, and you've almost washed it, right? Because if you get if you get two wins, two losses, and a draw. That's splitting the 15 points as close as you can in soccer with seven. So there you go. I mean, I think you would have taken that. If they can get a draw this weekend at least, I think that's about as good as you could have possibly hoped for. But even six points, if we're being honest, they haven't played any home games yet, and they're still in a playoff position, comparatively speaking, with a lot of other teams that have had two or maybe even three home games so far. So Minnesota United is sitting in good position, and, and 
it's like you said, though. They won the first two games. Then you start thinking, should we get a little bit more? The last two games, they, they I think it was a tale of two halves in each game, and I don't think the team put a complete performance enough to expect more than what they got out of the game. So I think 2-2 two and two is fair, and uh, it'll be interesting to see, you know, where they are, you know, in what, nine days' time come opening of Allianz Field. Um, it's going to be an absolute game-changer, not only for this season, but the trajectory of Minnesota soccer is about to go through the roof with the opening of Allianz Field. So what, in your mind, has gone wrong these past two games, Jamie, or two matches? Um, you know, I think the first game, I think they matched the uh, the intensity of New England last week at Gillette Stadium. Um, they came out flying, New England did, got a goal early on, Minnesota United equalized, and then uh, I talked to Adrian Heath at halftime, and he told me uh, it's there for the taking for either team, who's going to be the team that goes and grabs it. And ultimately, I think on the afternoon, New England got their goal, and they did just enough to win it. But um, it's, if you know, soccer especially is a game where, you say it all the time, goals change games and that timing of those goals. Uh, because very few, few games that Minnesota United take uh, partake in will be a 0-0 or 1-0 game. There's, there's action. I mean, they, they're going to score some goals, but it's the timing of it. Can you get the first goal? Can you put a little bit of pressure? And a team like New York Red Bulls, for the first time since 2017, they've lost back-to-back uh, games in MLS. And they've, so they're, they're a team that doesn't, consistently lose games and if you get the first goal in this game Saturday night then you start thinking if you're a Red Bull player oh man here we go again you know and the confidence is a little bit low now so it'll be important for the first goal of the game on Saturday and uh, you can hear our boy Jonathan Harrison starting at 5.30 with the coverage right here at Score North for that uh, and that's a good segue. Enough of these enough of these surface level dimwit questions from us about soccer. We now throw it to Jonathan Harrison your pre, half, and post game host, along with Dan Terhar for Minnesota United Audio Programming. It's Jonathan Harrison's corner kick, or something like that. I like the name corner, that. Kick? corner kick. Yeah, that's good. All right, Jamie, you just mentioned New York Red Bulls coming off two straight losses, one nil losses each time. They're one, two, and one so far. What's going on with them this season, and what are we expecting that United can do in Harrison, New Jersey? Great name of the city, by the way. <laughs> You're such a dork. <laughs> great, great name indeed, Jonathan. Well played. That's such a good dad joke. Um, I love it. Uh, I think the thing with the Red Bulls is I think people are figuring out and teams are figuring out they are a very, very good soccer team that likes to play soccer in the right way. And if you try to go toe to toe with them, it's like going up against a very good technical boxer. And if you want to, you know, go through the proper technique and you want to stand there toe to toe trading punches. That may not be the best methodology to go against that. So if you're a visiting team, especially going on the road to Red Bull Arena, I think the last thing you want to do is say, okay, let's try to go in there and, and try to be the best soccer team on the day. What we need to try to do is what's effective, and I think that's what the two teams that have won in the last two games against them have done. It's maybe not the prettiest. It's certainly not maybe the easiest on the eye, but I think you can look to play balls in behind. You can look to play long balls, counterattack to soccer, make it difficult to break down. And if you do that, I think you frustrate the way that they like to play and you turn it into a little bit more of a brawl than this pretty soccer match. If you can do that for Minnesota United on the road, I think that's how you get a result on Saturday. That was Jonathan's corner kick on Mackie and Judd with Ronnie <laughs> and guest Jamie Watson. I need to have some sort of an accent when I go. To- yeah, I think so. Yeah. With Ready? like Judd yelling, goal!
He'll hang right. up, though. Yeah. <laughs> See, that's the problem. No, no, no. If I, I, I say never, something. I would never do that. I would never do that. Oh, man. Jamie, oh. good catching up. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll, we're will we getting closer and closer here two weeks away from, uh, actually, well, yeah, two weeks away from the home opener at Allianz Field. So, week and a half, actually. What's my yeah, math? Week boys. and a half. Cool. Yeah, about nine days now. No one, no one's counting or no, there's no frantic pressure in the front office right now. Everyone's smooth sailing. Pina Colada's all day in the office right now. Exactly. Yep. All right, man. We'll talk soon. See ya. All right. Can't wait, guys. Thank Jamie you. Watson from the Adrian Heath Show, former MLS player, and he does all sorts of media, including he uh, he's he's on the the TV broadcast, part of the radio broadcast, and uh, Adrian Heath Show. Is there so. any way that either of you guys would break up any fight involving a naked guy? No. I would never get near. No, seriously. I, would, no I wouldn't know where to you know corral. <laughs> but him. would you think think that far? Like I would just be like, no. Like you're <laughs> so, just so, so if like let's say you know just fight. Let's say Jonathan wound up in an unfortunate situation in a lifetime fitness locker room. Okay. Yeah. And you're the only one that can save him. But he's not wearing any clothes. No. You're not going to save him. You're on your I appreciate own, that, Judd. Do no, not, I'm not going to. No. no. I'm you, no don't, you don't even want to be saved. No, if I'm. I'm walking out. For some reason. I'm wa- I'm. You're just leaving? You're I'm not, putting, you're not I'm putting watching my sh- the fight? I'm putting my shorts. Naked? No. I'm, no, no. <laughs> if no. I'm naked, I don't want you touching me. No, and no, you don't want me watching. Wasn't there? No, yeah, wasn't there a movie where that. there was a, there was a fight scene in a bathhouse and both guys were naked? It was like a really famous movie. I don't remember which one it was. It was um, Viggo Mortensen was one was the star of the movie. Anybody? No. Anybody help me on here? The only no. thing I can think of is like the only naked fight scene I remember is when when one guy was naked. Uh-huh. Daniel Craig in Casino Royale. Tied to saw Tied, Oh, you never saw. I haven't seen any of the Daniel Craig. Oh, oh dude, you're missing. I know, out, I know, I know, I know, I know. You I know. are missing. I'm not out. like Judd. Who's denying the greatness? I know. I need to. I need to catch okay. up. I'm well aware. Jonathan, do you know the scene I'm talking about? Yes. Or he's ah. Daniel yeah, don't, Craig. You don't need to go into detail about that scene. No, I'm going to think to. about it. I'm going to. Daniel Craig was stripped down. <laughs> oh, no. To his socks, maybe not even socks, and they put him on his his enemies. Uh, put him on a chair, like just a you know, like I don't know, like a, a regular kitchen. wooden chair. Yeah, sure. a wooden chair. Yeah. And they cut a hole in the bottom of the chair so that they could use. A large knotted rope to torture him. What? Yes, it gets very graphic. So he was tied to the chair. Movies, and they took this rope like a whip, but there's a a massive knot on the end of the rope. Oh! And fired it up from underneath. Oh, Oh, yeah, yeah. Was how graphic was this? I mean, it's. He said, "Thank you, sir. May I have another a couple no. times?" Because he's James Bond. But you know what? Actually, I heard this. Stu God stole, told this story today on the Dan Lebetard show. This happened in Sweden. An off-duty police officer. This is usually for in other news, but we're on the story of naked fighting somehow. Uh, made made an arrest last week after recognizing the man sitting next to him in a sauna as a fugitive. He said it's easier to take action when you have your colleagues with you and all your tools and equipment. He did not, though. He was naked. They were both naked when he made this arrest and took this guy down and restrained him until help came. Did he have his handcuffs on him? Like he's just naked in the sauna with his handcuffs and a a nightstick. How did this work? (laughs) I don't know. And a taser. I have no idea. I don't have all the details in this story I'm reading here, but yeah. Both were naked in that particular instance. Yeah. But, du- you know, when duty calls. That Bond thing really bothered me. I'm, I wish you, you should watch that movie, No, really good movie. I don't need to see that. Besides it's actually, that one weird scene, it's a very good movie. It's, it's legitimately 
a top three Bond movie. It might be my wow. favorite Bond movie. Eastern yeah. Promises. Somebody just tweeted me. The movie with the naked fight in the bathhouse starring Viggo Mortensen. I like the fact that Eastern, you could remember Eastern the actor, Promises. but not the movie, yeah. too. You, could, you remember his skin tone, but not yeah. the name of the movie. <laughs> you remember it was Jimmy Stewart, and uh, yeah. I remember he had a nice six-pack. Well, now that this is wildly uncomfortable... Let's uh, transition awkwardly to a chat about the best car dealership and service department in the Twin Cities. That would be Luther Brookdale Toyota, 694 on Brooklyn Boulevard. And did you know the best, most popular car in the world right now is the RAV4? You can lease a RAV4 right now for just $299 a month. A 2019 brand spanking new RAV4 for $299 a month with just $1,500 down. That's a, that's a pretty aggressively good deal. You're not going to find a lot of RAV4 deals for uh, for $299 a month. Also, some specials in the service department. Tire special by any three. Get the fourth one for just a dollar on the corner of 694 on Brooklyn Boulevard. I should also mention you can lease a 2019 Tacoma Double Cab 4x4 with Sport Package for just $369 a month if you're uh, more of a truck person with just $1,500 down. Again, 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard. Luther Brookdale Toyota, the same place my family and I have been going to for 30-plus years. Richard Patino flirting with other jobs? Let's talk about it. Mackie and Judd with Rami on the all-new Score North and scorenorth.com. There's a few really good ways for you to listen to Score North, and we recommend uh, any of them, really. Live.scorenorth.com is a great—you can just plug it into your browser. And chances are, if you're hearing this right now, you're trying out one of these methods. It would be physically impossible not to be. Live.scorenorth.com. You can also listen on the uh, the good old-fashioned AM radio signal, AM 1500. But we recommend two other new ways. You can just say, Alexa, open Score North, and boom, your smart speaker, your Amazon uh, Alexa smart speaker, will begin playing Score North Live. And also, we have a mobile app, and you can find it in the Google Play Store if you're an Android device person, or you can find it in the Apple Store. Just search Score North, S-K-O-R North. And gentlemen, there's all kinds of rumblings that Richard Patino has either met with or is flirting hardcore with Arkansas, the Arkansas Razorbacks coaching job. And Amir Coffey, to add some more complications to it, not only is going to bring in an agent, and, and you can bring in an agent now, and it doesn't cost you your eligibility. So he's, he's going to go through the process of bringing in an agent, see where he's at with the NBA draft. But he posted on Instagram, just to sum it up, peace out, I'm going pro. Yeah. So I'll start the the conversation this way. If I'm Richard Pitino, and I've felt like this is a bit of a hot seat at times the last couple of years, I mean, there was a good chance if he didn't go to the NCAA tournament that we'd be talking about a coaching change. So you managed to get out of that hot seat situation. You beat Purdue. You beat Louisville. You got to the second round of the NCAA tournament. You can now look back and say, two NCAA tournament appearances in three years at a program that only has 14 all-time. It's not a heritage, you know, successful program. And Jordan Murphy's gone. Amir Coffey looks like he's gone. Isaiah Washington didn't work out. It's pretty tough, I think, to pick the pieces back up and go back to the NCAA tournament. This would make perfect sense to sniff around for another job and just say say goodbye on a high note. What do you guys think? Well, to go back on that, I guess my question is this. If you're Patino and you're talking to a couple schools, and let's say it's not even a, a sure thing, but you're talking to these schools, and you decide as part of your due diligence through this process to go to, to Mark Coyle and say, and I believe if I am not mistaken on this, he signed through Phil 2022 or so. So so the contract doesn't have a ton left. It's got some left. But if you go to the AD for the Gophers right now and say, 
All right, I'm talking to schools, but I won't if you lock me up long term here. Would you, what would your response be if you're Mark Coyle and Patino approaches you and asks you that, that question and says, I will quit flirting with schools if you give me a five year deal and more buyout term? Rami. Yeah, I could, I could get down with a five year deal. Absolutely. I don't see why not. And I've, I've sort of been swayed by Phil and the way that he's framed the whole Richard Patino debate story, whatever the case might be, because I got here and I saw that, you know, there wasn't a, because I came from Wisconsin and watched that basketball program do things that when you look at it from the outside and they probably shouldn't be doing, but yeah. somehow, some way they tend to compete, make the tournament every year, contend for the, the big 10 title every year. So I got here and I saw, Nowhere near that success in Minnesota basketball. And I was thinking, what is Richard Patino really doing? But Phil has framed it in a way that gives it some perspective. When you look at the history of Gophers basketball and sort of regauge your expectations based on that and the landscape that they compete in, he's actually done a pretty good job of starting to establish something here. So I, I would give him five years and see where he would take that if if he if he put that on the table that he'd shut down all the other offers if you gave him a five year deal sure why not so the story took another turn five hours ago when Richard Pitino just tweeted out now I I've seen him and P J Fleck because you can't if you get a verbal agreement from a high school kid you can't you can't talk publicly about recruiting you're not you're, it's it's against NCAA rules but what they'll do is they'll put out like P J Fleck will put out just an image of a gopher bat signal. Basically saying, we got another one, right? And Patino, I think he's gone with this same gif of Goldie Gopher dancing and a skyline in the background whenever they've landed a recruit or whenever something happens Mm -hmm. that he might not talk about. So he posted this without any text, just a a dancing Goldie Gopher five hours ago. And I'm wondering, and I'm just scrolling through some of the comments here, and some people are saying that either he landed a recruit or he signed a contract extension. Why else would you post that? You wouldn't post that if you knew you were leaving for Arkansas, would you? I mean, that's I mean, <laughs> amazing troll, troll job. The ultimate troll. You sign with Arkansas or somebody else, and then you post this dancing Goldie I'm out of here. I'm, out of here. I'm <laughs> that, taking Goldie with me to Arkansas. That wouldn't surprise me at all, given the state of college basketball and the way coaches <laughs> lie and go from place to place and they're saying rolling. they're not We'd going anywhere. It'd right. be great. Man. It'd be a great troll. But, Phil, you, would, would you give – so if, if he went to Coyle today and said – I will quit talking to these schools if you give me a contract extension and a buyout now that exceeds what I'm currently at in my current contract. Would you give him the extension? So would I marry him for five years? Correct. Is what you're if saying. you're Mark Coyle. Um, I think I would, and I'm the homer of all Richard Bettino homers, right? And I'm saying I think I would. Do I think, like, do I think there's better coaches out there. I I think he's going to be a much better coach when he's 45 than 35. So do you, you know, how long do you want to go down that path? Um, I probably, I probably would in part, part of it's because show me a list of realistic replacements that would come in and for sure be better than he is. And I know Fred Hoiberg would have been on that list, but he's, he's in Nebraska. And that's my thing too. And some people might throw out, well, what about Tim miles? If you brought Tim miles in and gave him some more fertile recruiting opportunities, I'm going to guess that there's more, top basketball players in high school now in the Twin Cities and, well, Rochester than there are in Nebraska. I don't... I'm, I don't the Hurt family? Yeah. So, but I don't... I, I There's... Okay, is there, a, is there a Mike Krzyzewski out there that you know is going to come in and just be five times better? Okay, I'll take that. 
Um, but I, I just don't think you should be in the business of actively looking to get away from a guy who's brought you to the NCAA tournament twice in three years and a guy who's brought in some really good players, some Amir Coffees and Jordan Murphys. And yeah, he's he whiffed on Isaiah Washington, but you know, he hasn't whiffed. He, 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 I was talking to Ross Brendel, our promotions manager, and he's also on the Gophers, uh, the Scornorth Gophers show, and we were talking off the air. Richard Patino gets a ton of flack. Some of it rightfully so for a couple whiffs here and there, but I think he gets too much flack relative to where this program is at nationally. I don't know. It's like we we view this program as it's like almost like we view the Vikings. Well, you need to be there every single year. Like, well, based on what? Yeah, that'd be awesome at some point. And he looks like he's getting there. Two out of the last three years NCAA tournament. He's brought in some good players. Let's see what happens. So I'm not. If if he left, I wouldn't fault him for taking advantage of a high note. And if they signed him for five more years, I wouldn't kick and scream and say, that's wrong. You had five other coaches out there that could have been better than Patino. Because I don't think there are that, that many coaches better than Patino that the Gophers could get. I also w- want to know what Coyle's list is. And, and by the way, if you're going to go get a really, really good coach, it's probably going to be right now a guy who's an assistant on, on someone's staff who we have never heard of. And the fan rebellion against that is going to be high. Yeah. But if you're going to go in the Wisconsin mode... A lot of that is, I know this guy can coach. You might not have heard of him as a fan before, but I trust him, and that guy can do the job. But we don't know that. And I think the I think the frustration with the with the basketball program also falls on, on the fact that there's a general uh, frustration, perhaps rightfully so, probably about the entire program of sports. There, yeah. it's like you look at all of the main sports, and it's like, okay, where's the consistency? So I think that basketball basketball takes a hit also not and and hey it's got some faults but basketball takes a hit also partially because football frustrates us because hockey has fallen off the bleeping map. So they all get in my mind lumped together without when's it going to change thought. Yeah. 651-646-8255. Chuck, you're on with Mackie and Judd and Rami. Hey, how's it going, guys? I love the show. Thanks, Chuck. Southern Minnesota, representing Southern Minnesota here. Hey, I would sign him to a five-year deal if they hired a body language coach or something to make his body language on the sideline. He looks like he's a pouty little kid every time something goes wrong. And he's got to stop licking his damn lips. <laughs> That's the problem. We just got to the bottom of it. He licks his lips too much. They come up short because he licks his lips too much. Yeah. That's the problem. Hey. Maybe he needs more chapstick. I could give him some. I'm addicted. You do. Every time I look over at you, you're putting some chapstick on me. Have you ever seen someone... One hand. Watch this. Watch how quick this is. Have you ever seen a chapstick person who does not abuse said chapstick? Like, I've never never seen a, a lip gloss person who doesn't do it continually. It's not lip gloss. Well, it's a it's lip balm. Okay, yeah, lip don't balm, patronize me. Gloss, <laughs> whatever you're doing, your lips are nice and red. Have you, have you ever? Not, no, they're not. Have red, you, are they red? Are no, my lips red. No, no, they're just moisturized. Have you, have you ever Supple. seen? The point being is, have you ever seen restraint used by somebody who uses a lip balm? I mean, it's I, always over the top. It's always continual. It's like a drug. I use one. I put I put it on like in the morning before I leave the house, especially if it's cold out, and then at night before I go to bed. Is it in your pocket though? You, you know, you're breathing through. Is your it mouth. in your pocket? Uh, no, not at all times. Okay, no. see, that's the temptation. I keep yeah, it in no, the car at the house. I feel like because I've been using it regularly for probably 20 years now, since right. sometime when I was a teenager, and I need my lips to feel a certain way. I guess. <laughs> I told you. Told you. So I need to apply it. 
probably once every 15 to 30 minutes. Really? Yeah. For sure. Wait, wait, wait. How do your lips need to feel? Dude, I, I'm sorry I'm asking this question. I also, I'm probably going to regret One it. time, Silky. not to open up a, a no, whole I'm conversation about. <laughs> how do your lips feel, Maggie? Not, not to open up a whole discussion about weird addictions on the show, but I once got addicted to Afrin nose spray. I had the same problem. Dude. Yes. The worst. What? Yeah. So Wait, you guys what? ever have, you guys, have you ever no. heard of this? Like when you have a stuffy nose or something, you have a cold and you can't breathe out of your nose? Yeah. There are nose sprays. Afrin's the biggest brand. Mm-hmm. It's like instant relief. Oh, for it's so good. So it's, you, you can't oh. breathe. You, you, you shoot a little Afrin nose spray. It's over the counter okay. in your nose. Okay. And it opens up your sinus patches, uh, passages. Yeah. The, the warning on the label says you're not supposed to use it for more than like four days consecutively, or you could start to form an addiction to it. Not like a mental addiction to it. Your sinuses become physically addicted to it, and they close up even if you don't have a cold at the time, if you don't have Afrin nose spray. So and it can like kill your sense of smell. Yeah. Like Wait, it's not good for the nerve endings and in this your is nostrils. Not, and there's not prescription? No, it's over the counter. No. I used it. Every single day because of like, like, because I couldn't breathe without it. Right. For probably three or four months one time. I, I didn't go that long. Yeah, it was but. bad. It was like, I went to the doctor and they said, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. How long have you been using this? And I was like, I mean, every day because I can't breathe. And they're like, that's why you can't breathe. <laughs> I remember okay. I lived in Madison at the time and I was using it for probably like three, four weeks every day, like three or four times a day. That's, that's, that's then, so bad. And then one day I, I I, I read the back of the bottle. I was like, oh, crap. I was like, what have I been doing to myself? And then I like I realized I, like, I couldn't smell anything. Like, I was cutting open cloves of garlic and putting it up to my nostrils. Yeah. I was like, and I was freaking out because <laughs> I like to cook. I like to eat. If you can't smell, like, it kills all of that. And I remember freaking yeah. out to my roommate. Like, I can't smell anything, dude. I can't smell. Like, it's like a support group. I thought it was the end dude, of the world. It's bad. It's yeah. really bad. Yeah. Weird. Judge just looking at us you with guys judgment are, right now. I mean, I'm weird, but you guys are really weird. <laughs> Jonathan's like, I was addicted to crack. <laughs> wow. That's Usually right. that stuff over the line comes from Judd, not no, Mackie. No comment from Wow. No <laughs> comment. No That's comment. Uh-huh. Not going to comment. Yeah, Mackie and Judd. Stop, Jonathan. My career. Actually, you know what? I'm addicted to TCL TVs. Can't stop oh, watching you them. You and me both. Buddy. Probably because they're on every wall mm-hmm. here. Yep. 55 inches of glorious 4K picture quality and uh, the best streaming services you're going to find in a TV. Here's the cool thing about basketball games this weekend. You can watch them while also playing free golf at Top Golf. If you get a ticket uh, for this Saturday night's grand opening of the TCL eSports Lounge, drinks, complimentary open golf, video game play, and more, and your ticket is just $125. We're talking about... Uh, a super fun night that includes Josh Akogi, John Randall, Corey Kosky, some Score North folks are going to swing by. Don't miss your chance to uh, to have some fun this Saturday night during basketball games. TCL and Score North at Top Golf, all benefiting the Ronald McDonald House charities. You can win prizes like a 65 inch TCL TV, autographed Timberwolves memorabilia, a Top Golf party. You can go to scorenorth.com, keyword TCL, scorenorth.com, keyword T-C-L-R-I-P-Wild. Our guy Judd puts them to bed when we come back.